This is We Cooking with Chris Thurton and Friends. And this episode is part one of a three-part conversation that I had on Instagram Live with Heather Carmichael, JL Chambers, and Dan Kimoto. During that Instagram Live, we talked about their Black experience, because the Black experience is not a monolithic one, but one that consists of as many different variations as there are Black people in the world. And so we wanted to highlight their voices specifically and hear their stories about what they're thinking about, what they're processing, and what they're interacting with in light of the very public murders uh, of Black people in our country today and just the, the amount of social response that has come as a result of that. And so this is part one of that conversation with Heather Carmichael. And I, again, apologize for the audio uh, because it is taken straight from Instagram. But I hope that this conversation can be valuable for you. And thank you for listening. Thank you guys for joining. Really grateful. Um, yeah, this is has potential. Like I, I just feel like it's 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 a unique time. There's a ton of people that are reaching out. There's a lot of conversation. I just saw someone else post um, about um, just how we need to continue to be engaged. Um, I've been having conversations left and right, and uh, it's it can be exhausting, but uh, we're not going to give up the fight. Um, yeah. I guess as we wait for my sister, I'll just share some of the things that I've been processing. Um, this is a, a big thing that, that I process really this week. Uh, I'll show you, I'll bring you into a couple, a couple thoughts that, that I've been processing. One, um, there's trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. I haven't even finished like l- processing, let alone things that have happened years ago, let alone the, the years of, of slavery and systemic racism and things like that process that every day then we got Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor and I, I posted a couple weeks ago right after Ahmaud Arbery I said something's going to happen in the next week that will take our social attention away from Ahmaud Arbery and then George Floyd and 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 Amy and Christian Cooper not related Amy and Christian Cooper uh, happened this past weekend and that took our consciousness away took our, our conversation away <laughs> for lots of people uh, and and it's just, we haven't had time to process those so trauma on top of trauma. And yet we're still expected to go to work, to, to show up, to do the things that we need to do regular day to day. And it's like, yo, we, there's a lot going on. Um, and that's been a tough thing to kind of navigate through. Uh, my sister just hopped on, so I'll invite her on. And secondly, uh, the other thing I've been processing is this idea of hope. I remember, I remember the moment I kind of realized that the things I'm fighting for, it probably won't see fully realized. It, and I, I'm gonna be fighting for it for my kids. I was 23 years old, I'm 31 now. Like, the fact that at 23, I realized that conversations of race and justice, I wasn't gonna see as much change as I would want in my life, that the fight was gonna be more so for my kids. And that's, that's sad, but that's hope, because hope is believing that mountains will move even if you don't see them move in your lifetime. Hope is never stopping the fight to see those mountains move, even if you don't see them move. And we're gonna keep fighting. We're gonna keep raising our voice and you're seeing that happen. People are fighting for change and that's hopeful. So I'm gonna bring Heather on and uh, excited. She's hopping on, waiting for it to connect. Hey. Hey. Oh, I'm gonna be back with my camera a bit. 
There we go. Hi. How are you? You know, like we said yesterday, right? It's like <laughs> that question's loaded. How you doing? Mm -hmm. Like in the moment, day to day, things are going, but there's just a level of grief, a level of yes. trauma, a level of sadness, anger, frustration that's always there. Always there. Always. Yep. Yep. Um, thank you for being here. Grateful. Yeah, I'm glad wow. to have the conversation. Absolutely. I guess, um, Heather, I just want to start. Um, you guys don't know, Heather's my sister. And uh, I just want to ask just how are you, I, I know we just said it's a loaded question, but how are you personally doing? How are you processing mm -hmm. what's been going on? I mean, for centuries, but more specifically recently. Right now, yeah. What's that been looking like for you? Um, so... It, I appreciate what you were saying about how this is the long game. It's, you know, we're not, we might not see the, the benefit of the way we fight right now and that we're doing it for the future. For me, I'm definitely doing it for my kids. So I'm a little bit older than Chris, for those of you that don't know. So I have um, a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old. Um, I'm also... Uh, married to a white man so our relationship is biracial as well so we have a son that presents white and our daughter presents um she looks more like my skin tone she gets mistaken they both actually get called um hispanic or mexican a lot mm -hmm. um so um we never you know uh, we never really dealt with a lot of things about skin color when it came to our son he's three years older than kobe um, and so we, it, what really prompted me into needing to figure this out was because something was said to her about the color of her skin, mm -hmm. um, four years ago and, um, where she was told, uh, I'm going to clean it up so that it's for, for her, for her privacy, Absolutely. but basically that she shouldn't be played with because of the color of her skin, mm -hmm. um, went to the school to talk about it. And um, this, they didn't know what to do. Like, well, I'm gonna talk to other people to see if they know what to do, or I'm gonna talk to, um, you know, I'll, I'll see what they say and if this is a problem at other schools. And um, it was during the election of going from Obama to Trump. Um, and ever since then, it's just, she, that incident was what spurred me to make sure I, I speak up. And so it's opened doors of opportunity for me. I volunteered at her school and now I'm involved in our local school district um, because living in the Pacific Northwest, I'm in Oregon, it's super white. <laughs> and because, um, you know, Oregon as a state was created to not have black people here. They didn't have slavery because they didn't want black people here. It was illegal was, for black people to live in Oregon. Yeah. So um, it was, you know, to become a white sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, you don't see a lot of people of color um, in Oregon, but that's changing. It's growing. Yeah. Like there's job opportunities out here. The universities hire people of color. Mm -hmm. Like, um, so that's changing. And it's the, the black community is growing and yet the culture um, isn't evolving the way um, our landscape is evolving. Yeah. So, you know, people need to start pushing 
to see change because what I'm learning is that it's our laws and our policies are set up to protect whiteness. Mm -hmm. The white culture, okay? I'm not saying white people, but they're set up in a way to protect white culture um, and it's harming, you know, black and brown kids, like the students. And it's just, um, so that, you know, that's where real change needs to happen um, in getting involved in the, the grassroots efforts to get behind the scenes, make sure that there's policies in place that protect um, the voices of, of black and brown bodies. So, um, in all that, <laughs> you know, so that's what I'm doing. Like I'm yeah, doing that's, that the, that's just basis. the context, right? That's, that's the context. The context. And then this happened, like, first we have a pandemic where yeah. we were, we were just about to sit down with like, um, middle school principals to talk about the use of the N word in the middle schools. Yeah. Right. Because you've got these white kids listening to hip hop that think it's okay to call their black friends, um, the N word. And you know, like my daughter, she gets asked for if, if, um, if she can give kids an N card, like so that they can use the N word, you know? So it's just like, um, you know, uh, so yeah, that, that harms, that harms black students. So, um, you know, we were just about to have those meetings. We were just about, um, we were just about to pass an equity policy for, um, for students. The Student Success Act was supposed to go through for Oregon. It was going to pump money into education and it was going to be used specifically for equity, diversity and inclusion in schools. It was going to be amazing because of COVID-19 taxes and everything have just plummeted. So that money's now gone. We're not mm-hmm. promised that anymore. So, you know, so there's all the progress. You feel it has like the brakes have been put on. Absolutely. And then you have this stuff happen. And, um, it was like to see that happen to Ahmad Aubrey was one. I don't like the way that it's just back to back to back. Like, oh, really? Like, then bring on a Taylor and now George Floyd. Like, mm-hmm. I just, um, I don't know. It's overwhelming. It <laughs> really, really is. Like, I was just saying, like, I think before you hopped on, I was talking about it's trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma yep. on top of trauma. It's like, and I, I think that happens anytime, anytime there's grief or trauma with anybody, yeah. right? Like if, if it's not given like the proper time to like process through and heal and something else happens that there's just going to be layers of that grief, layers of that trauma. Right. And I think one of the things that a lot of people, a lot of people that aren't black don't understand a lot of white people to be specific don't understand is like, there's layers of trauma that, that, that communities are born into mm-hmm. that like at a young age is just heaped on them. Yeah. And now there's just more and more that's getting layered on top. And so it's yeah. like, there's not, there hasn't traditionally been a lot of space to even process that trauma. Right. Um, right. I mean, you yeah, see like it now riots, with, the riots oh, yeah. happening, that's not just about George Floyd. Like, exactly. That, that was like the, that's, Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, um, black people dying at a higher rate with COVID-19, um, poverty, like 
that's all that layered on top where you had no time to breathe, to process, to grieve. And then this week happens. Absolutely. And it's also the, the mistrust, like, um, so I appreciate the vocalization and the speaking out behind this must stop. Mm -hmm. We've got to do something. What can we do? Like, I don't condone this. Um, I'm super appreciative that actually the police community, law enforcement is finally saying we condemn this. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's not enough anymore. Yeah. yeah uh, and, and it's been years of empty promises, right? Like, yeah. it's like, we've been told, oh yeah, we're gonna do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so even if you don't arrest the officer, like I don't want to get into all the logistics of that. I do understand. See, this is where the laws come into. Again, there are laws to protect police officers when they use um, harmful tactics or when they, you know, use too much force. Like they have a law that protects them. With Breonna Taylor, there's a law where they can go in without saying why they're there. Like, yeah. So that's why we need to, you know, there's more that needs to change, but um, than just than just the actions. So even if the officers, like, I, I want to see them punished for this, but if they're not, it needs to spark some change in yeah. that community. They need yeah. to show different policies. They need to show that they're going to hold officers accountable to their actions. And that's what's not happening. Like, that's what's making people so angry is that um it's not like getting away with it or getting like i want to be super respectful because the law enforcement men and women in my life are amazing people and um want to do good are in it for the right reasons and you know it's the the system that's in place that is super broken um yeah and that allows people that aren't in it for right reasons not only to be a part of it, but in lots of ways to thrive, to thrive and move up the it. ladder and be in places of power that yeah. are now also bringing in other people that are like-minded with that. And it's just, again, just like the trauma gets built up, it's like yeah. the systems get built up on top of each other. And it's yeah. just a, a huge mess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for time's sake, I, I want to ask you, like, what is, what, is, what is something like a word of encouragement or solidarity that you want to say to your black brothers and sisters that might be tuning in, listening, or might see this? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's funny because of the list of questions you gave me, that was the one I, those ones, I, the last two I thought about the least because, but let me tell because I got stuck on the, um, when you said, what does it mean to be black? Yeah. slash African-American to you. And I had, I've been stuck on that one for a long time because, you know, I've spent I, almost half my life in Canada and yeah. half my life now in the United States. So we grew up in Canada, spent our childhood there. Yeah. Um, you most of your childhood there. Mm -hmm. um, so I have seen race from two very different points of view, worldviews. Um, and so I didn't, um, I don't identify myself as African-American mm -hmm. because, um, our family, our roots are in Belize, yep. which I know black people got to Belize from Africa, yeah. but, um, and that, so I would, I, I would identify as, as, um, half black, 
Um, and so then just even dealing with that, like, am I black enough to speak to my black brothers and sisters? Mm -hmm. um, and the trauma that they've had to go through that I was blessed to not have to grow up with that trauma. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a part of me that is saying, I'm gonna speak up for you because the level of my pain isn't the level of your pain. Mm -hmm. And so I now have the opportunity to, because of my child, um, I want to help protect your children mm -hmm. um, and, and make it better for you. And even just because our skin is lighter, I know that we'll be listened to more. <laughs> like, I'm gonna use that privilege. I have that privilege and I'm gonna use it. Um, and so, I will not, I will not be quiet and I will speak up when I can, like, if not even when I can, I'm just gonna speak up. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I see you, I lament with you, I grieve with you. Um, I'm so pained over um, what is happening. And I just, I, I promise I won't stop. Um, I just won't stop until the changes. And if it doesn't change in my lifetime, it, it won't be in vain. Um, so then, can I go to the next one? What would I yeah, say? Yeah, what, what do you guys say to our white brothers and sisters? And I have so much to say. <laughs> so I have so much to say because um, Oregon's so white. Yep. Um, Especially where Washington, you're at. Like, there's Washington. definitely places that is not as white, but it's like. Yeah. Yeah. You're in Seattle. Like, if you lived in Vancouver, yeah. Right on the Portland border. I think we could say the same thing, right? Yeah. So anyway, if you're not in urban areas, like anyway, um, just that a lot of times you feel like you're not qualified to say anything, um, please get qualified. Hmm. So please do the work so that you feel like you know what to say um, and speak up because where we are in our part of the country it's going to be you <laughs> that really makes this difference. Um, and I, not everyone will agree with me. Uh, I have a, a very good friend who's an adopted mom. She's white and her son is black. And for a long time, you know, she's like, no, I want to promote your voice. Your voice needs to be heard. Like I will mm -hmm. sit back and I, I love what she was trying to do. And I, I do believe in, in giving platform so that we can hear people of color. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the white voices pushing and saying, you know, I will not let this just go, um, holds a lot of weight. And that is part of making, making the change. Um, so I would just, you know, I just want to encourage them to, it, you're, I know you're super uncomfortable you're super, super uncomfortable. I, when I started this, I was super, super uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I knew that we would, you know, that I would make people angry. And when I started all this, I didn't, I said stupid things and didn't know, <laughs> you know, I started speaking up five years ago and I didn't do it right. A lot of the times, but I've learned and I've grown and have kind of found my voice. And so I just would encourage people to, to, take the time to do that. And the more you do it, the more confident you'll become. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Heather. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, keep fighting. 
keep praying. We're in this. Yep. And uh, I will talk to you later for sure. Right. <laughs> Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this conversation between myself and my sister, Heather Carmichael. And I just want to say a big thank you to Heather for sharing a bit of her story and her experience with us. Please keep an ear out for part two of this conversation that I had on Instagram Live. And thank you for tuning in to the We Cooking Podcast with Chris Thurden and friends.